Hello, guys, and thank you for listening or watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living a life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. God has a beautiful word for us today, and it is a powerful word. I can't wait to get into it. So as you can see from the thumbnail, this video is long overdue. He had me to write this stuff down probably two weeks ago, but then had me to preach something else. But now we're back at it, right? Dismantling religious spirits. The number one enemy to spiritual gifts and growth has got to be the religious spirit. Let's get into it. So God began to take me on a journey uh, and the revelation began to bubble up and come forth. And I began to write down some things and then begin to study the scriptures on these religious spirits. When Jesus was walking the earth, his ministry, um, the kingdom of God, was in direct head-on collision with the kingdom of darkness, religious spirits. And a lot of times we think that the Antichrist, because you know anything that is anti-God is anti-Christ. The Antichrist spirit is wrapped up in uh, horns and a pitchfork or is wrapped up in uh, evil things or, or people being mean or anything like that. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes the enemy masquerades himself as that angel of light as the book of Corinthians talk about. And even his workers operate and disguise themselves as workers of righteousness. And sometimes deception comes in the form of what we call this must be God. So we're going to talk about this today and we're going to begin to unmask and unveil the religious spirit and dismantle that spirit uh, that has tried to erect itself over the kingdom of God or disguise itself as being kingdom when really all it is is Satan masquerading as an angel of light. And this is vitally important. And the reason why this is so important, guys, is because this spirit has tried to imitate and, and it's a, it is a walking counterfeit of the kingdom of God based on the way it's dressed, the way it talks, the way it looks, the way it acts. It has a form of godliness, the Bible says, but it denies the power thereof. And that's going to be the key ingredient. That's what the missing ingredient is, denying the power thereof. What is the power thereof? The power thereof is to change mindsets and renew the mind to repent, right? Um, sometimes, you know, with religious spirits, they get so focused on the do's and the don'ts that relationship with Christ and having intimacy with God has gone completely out of the window. So they focus on things that are that don't matter. They focus on things that don't really change anyone's life or get, any, get people free, right? The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And it also says that the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Well, I'm here today to let you know that God is dismantling that religious spirit. And I, Lord, I thank you that even right now that every blind spirit that has tried to blind the minds of the people of God or try, has tried to blind the minds of the people that has um, come into the knowledge of who God is in the form of religion is brought low in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for sending angels to remove the spiritual blinders from the eyes and of the minds and of the hearts of the people in Jesus' name. And so today, let's get into it, guys. We're going to be talking about the five main characteristics of the religious spirit that the Holy Spirit gave me. 
And this is so important. And the reason why it's so important is because Jesus dedicated a whole chapter to religious spirits. And that's Matthew 23. That entire chapter talks about the Sadducees and the Pharisees who were back in those times, the religious uh, rabbis that they like to call themselves or the religious leaders back in those days. And I'm going to begin to um, talk about the five main characteristics. Um, but one scripture that stuck out to me was Matthew 23 and 13. And it said, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So these spirits are a direct hindrance to the people that is trying to come to know Jesus. So what they do is they slide in place and they begin to counterfeit the real thing. But the thing about the counterfeit is there's no power behind the counterfeit. There's no uh, um there's only uh, rules and regulations. It doesn't operate in free flowing like the Holy Spirit that flows through you, right? It doesn't operate in the kingdom. It operates in the do's and the don'ts and the traditions of man. The Bible says that the word of God has been made of no effect because of traditions of men. So it talks about the scribes and the Pharisees being hypocrites for shutting up the kingdom of heaven against men. And the thing about it is not only do they shut up the kingdom of heaven from people, but they themselves don't even want to go in and have a relationship with the Lord. They only want to have the appearance or the form, but deny the power of thereof, the power thereof to change their hearts, to change their minds, to change their lives. So five main characteristics of religious spirits that the uh, Holy Spirit gave me. And the first one I want to talk about is that strong man of pride, Leviathan. That thing is a direct characteristic of religious spirits. Pride, some of the things you'll see with people with religious spirits, they are uncorrectable, right? They're not teachable at all. They think they know everything, right? And through hum humility, that is the only thing that can bring down that strong man of pride. And through knowing you first have to know you need God or you need to change before you can ever be changed. You have to come to the realization that you need God. But what pride does is it tells us that we don't need God. So these religious spirits that you see, you, you most importantly, let me say this. You're going to find these spirits in the comment section of your YouTube channel. You're going to find them in the church dressed up. You're going to find them in uh, old traditions of old Baptist or old Pentecostal churches. You're going to find this spirit in places where the kingdom of God is operating. Because they only show up like the Pharisees and the Sadducees when Jesus was on a mission and doing the kingdom work. They only showed up where he was present. And they come to, to really uh, dismantle what God is trying to do in people, what he's trying to help or he's trying to deliver or he's trying to manifest them in a relationship with him, right? To bring them into the knowledge of the truth of the gospel, and so this spirit is a direct enemy with the spiritual gifts. Wherever you see a religious spirit, you'll see someone talking about the religious 
uh, about the spiritual gifts. You'll see someone combating the, the religious, um, the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts and the prophetic flow is something that we absolutely need when you're fighting an invisible enemy. There is no way in the world you can fight an invisible devil with the carnality, with a carnal mind. You need prophetic intercession. You need prophetic advantage. You need the spiritual, the, the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the spirit in order to deal with a supernatural devil. You need supernatural gifts. There's no way you can deal with a supernatural devil. So what that spirit does, the religious spirit is, it comes to try to nullify the gifts. It comes to try to tell you speaking in tongues is not of God. It comes to tell you that you have to do this, this, and this, and you have to have an interpreter when you're speaking in tongues. It comes to give you all the rules and regulations. It comes to tell you, oh, this person is a false prophet. This person ain't doing this right. It, it, it keeps all the records of wrong, which is the total opposite of what God says love is. God says love keeps no record of wrong, but what you'll find with that religious spirit is they'll keep tabs on every single thing you do. If you step out of the square, oh, you're going straight to hell. They won't preach on grace. They won't talk about the relationship and how much God loves you, but they'll continually follow the people that are speaking truth, the spirit of truth who he's speaking through. They'll continuously follow that church or those people to try to, to, try to tear down what God is trying to establish. But how many of you know God says the kingdom of violence, the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violence take it by force. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does he mean when he say that? He simply means when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It was my daddy God in heaven that revealed this to you. So what was he saying about that? Upon this rock, he was saying upon the revelation of who God is. Because Peter had a revelation who Jesus was that was given to him by God the Father. So he said, upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what he's talking about here is a revealed knowledge of what the kingdom of God is. But what the spirit of religion does, it keeps the, the blinders over the eyes and the hearts of the people from coming into the knowledge of the truth. So that's what God means when he says, upon this revelation, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's not the word of God that stops the enemy. Let me say this again. And I know this, sound, this may sound way out there to somebody, but I'm going to bring it into alignment. It's not the word of God. It's the revealed word of God. See, you can know the word of God, but not have a revelation of who God really is. So you can know scripture, you can quote scripture, which is what they were doing, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, they can quote the scriptures. They knew all the laws, uh, the Mosaic laws. But you can know the word, but not know the author. You not have a revealed knowledge of who God really is, right? So unless the Holy Spirit reveals the, the scriptures and open up your eyes to the scriptures, and give you the revelation of what you're reading, you're just reading words on a paper that has no power without revelation. Revelation will always precede a manifestation of God's presence. In order for you to walk in the power and the purpose and the presence of the Lord, there has to be a revealed knowledge before you can ever get a manifestation of his glory. 
Let's keep going. So pride is that strong man that tries to keep people walking in the know-it-all, right? They know it all. They know all the scriptures, but they have no relationship with the author. And then number two, he said, um, he spoke to me and, and I'm remembering back when I was growing up, I was, I grew up in a Baptist church, black Baptist church. And when I grew up in that church, I would always notice that some of the mothers were so mean. They had the motherboard, what we call the motherboard. I'm going somewhere with this. And thank God for that church because I don't count it out because that's what the foundation of learning who Jesus was, was all about. That gave me the foundation that when I got in trouble, as I got older, I knew to call on Jesus, but that wasn't where I really met God, right? Grew up in church, right? So you would have these people in the church that had were on the nurse's board, the mother's board. They were ushers at the door, but the people were so mean-spirited. They were so angry. They were so mean. The love of God was not there. Now, that wasn't every person in there, but that's the image in the the experience that I had. It may not be the experience that somebody else had, but I'm telling you about me today. So that's the experience that I had. It was so mean, so, um, I know one time one of my friends told me she walked into a church and she was like, good morning. And the, and the usher at the door said, what's so good about it? I said, honey, I would have did an about face and walked right out that door because to me, it flows from the head down. And I'm going to keep saying that it starts with leadership and whatever's on the head, it flows trickle all the way down into the congregations and to everything, especially when you're talking about somebody that is serving in the church. So we know that those per people were put in position by that leader. So I'm going to keep going. So they're mean spirited. That's one of the religious uh, spirits um, um, that you will that you will see manifest in that in that spirit judgmental and very critical. The Pharisees and the Sadducees was very judgmental, very critical. In fact, if you look at Matthew 16, right? Um, and you look at Matthew 16 verses one, um, it says here, let's see here. It says here, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him, tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Always a test, always a question, always a one, two, three, four. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. You didn't, um, the Bible says you're supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. When they themselves don't keep, don't keep the word of God themselves. And that's what Jesus was pointing out. And Jesus, he replied, he said, when evening comes and you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. And then Jesus left them and went away. One thing I like about Jesus, and if you notice, you know, everybody said, oh, he was loving and he was a beautiful, you know, God was just so compassionate and that he was. But the flip side to that coin is God did not compromise the truth for the sake of peace. He said what he had to say and he got on. And even in some instances, if you notice when he stood before the Kings and Herod, some things he didn't even answer and some things he'll say, um, neither will I tell you this because he'll ask them a question and they won't tell me. He said, well, neither will I tell you this. 
It wasn't always rosy and God is sweet and all that. Though he is that, he's also a king in authority. And he knew his position and he played that position. And he did what he knew he was sent there to do, which was destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus left them and went away. And he gave them that and kept it moving. And I love that because sometimes as people, we feel like we got to sit there and argue and go back and forth with the religious spirits, with the people that is constantly combating or constantly trying to find something wrong with what somebody is doing, right? We think we got to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with that. I'm thinking about something I heard a, a song about back and forth. And so we, I, I'm, I'm, um, it's so many different manifestations, right? That this spirit has. And then if you go to, um, um, if you go to Mark 12, Mark 12 and 38, he is now given a warning, beware of the scribes. And he said to them in this teaching, he says, Matthew 12 and 38, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, long love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts who devour widows houses. And for a pretense, make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. And so basically they come with a look right now. They got the, you walk in church and they got the long robes on, or they got the, the, the certain kind of dress. And if you're not dressed the way that they think you should be dressed in, they'll try to throw one of them covers over you or try to throw a, a coat on top of you or whatever it is that the religious spirits like to do. Right. And we like to do that when people fall down at the altar because we don't want them being exposed. So I'm not talking about that. So don't twist my words, but I am talking about the people that think that you should have a certain look if you're in ministry, that you should have be saying things a certain way. Let me say this. God will use uh, anoint whomever he wants to anoint, however he wants to anoint them. And I think the more realistic and the more uh, original you are to an authenticity to who God created, the better you can actually be used. Because a lot of times we get in the formality of things and we get into the tradition of things and we get into the right and wrong, up and down, left and right. But then we forget the more meatier and more weightier things, which is mercy, which is truth, which is compassion, which is the love of God. Because you can look like you have all the right parts and that you all put together and that you're in ministry and that you're saying in the choir, you're on the praise team, you're doing this, you're serving at the door and can have a filthy black heart. And the Bible says that the sacrifices of God are broken and contrite spirit. That's what he will not despise or reject. So sometimes you can have the look of godliness, but in the inside, he said, you clean the outside, but the inside is rotten. So sometimes you can be dressed up and looked apart and everything that says God is not of God. Everything that says Lord, Lord is not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus made that clear. You prophesied in my name, you cast out demons. Depart from you, I never knew you. You do work of iniquity. What is in iniquity? It's sin in your heart. So you can have the look, but have all hell and hate in you. And so today, what God is saying, do not consider the outer appearance for God looks at the heart while man is looking at the outer appearance. God is looking at the heart of an individual. He's looking at the motive, the intent and the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you serving in a church? Why are you in ministry? 
Is it because this is finally your place to socialize? This is because you have nothing else going on at the house? Like, you have to ask yourself, are you really doing it to glorify him? Or are you doing it to interact with other people and socialize? Or to make real radical change for the kingdom of God? I'm going to keep going. Number three. Having that form of godliness, which I just uh, touched on, this spirit operates in reason, intellectualism, uh, no real power or demonstration of the Holy Spirit, lacking real power, lacking real change. Sometimes change is just repenting and loving on people. It's not necessarily laying hands and people falling out in the spirit because you can have the gift, but the character won't keep you there. So sometimes your gifting will take you places that your character won't even keep you. So it's not the gift because the Bible says, though I prophesy, though I do have all, know all mysteries of the spirit, but I have not love, I have nothing. So God is looking at the inward. The Bible says he desires truths in your inward parts. The Holy Spirit searches, yea, those deep things in us. Not that outer appearance that the, the long robes and the, the serving and the smiling and being fake when you really don't have to be fake. And somebody asks you, how you doing? Sometimes you can just say, oh, I'm not doing too well. Sometimes we think we have to put on a show or have this, this look because we're saved. And it's nothing wrong with just being authentic and real and just being yourself. And I think that's what God is after. He's after people that are wanting to really um, hone in on who he really created them to be because he can send you with tattoos. Come on, I'm going somewhere with this one. He can send you with all kinds of piercings in your ears and that be the very person that, that has the heart of the father. The person who you think don't look to par is the very person who God has anointed. And this is why when uh, Samuel went to the house to anoint David and, and they he thought that maybe the first child was it because of the statue and the way that person looked, it was the person out in the backyard attending to sheep who God wanted to anoint. So he bypassed all them other brothers that looked like they could have been a David to get the David out of the backyard that was attending to sheep. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is amazing. So having a form of godliness, what's next? He said, operating under the law, the do's and the don'ts, and the, uh, not from a revelational standpoint of the kingdom. Um, it's like they are teachers of the law, but not of grace. So sometimes you can have a hyper grace message where people think that all they have to do is just say they, 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 um, following Jesus, but the lifestyle don't even reflect it at all. But then sometimes you have people that are teaching law, 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 but there's no grace. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. That means that where sin is, he's empowering you with the grace to live for him. That's empowerment. Grace is unmerited favor, meaning that we didn't deserve it. But at the same time, the grace of God is the empowerment of God that will come upon you to rest on you so you can effortlessly walk with him without desiring the things of the world. And it comes without your effort or without your good works. Because the Bible says it's not by good works lest any man should boast. So that spirit likes to teach on law, the do's and the don'ts. The get over here to wear this, to look like this. Oh, you can't have tattoos. You can't have piercings. You can't have this. But I disagree with that. So that's my stand on that one. And then we'll go to um, number five where he says they like to expose of believers or people of faith rather than deal with 
the speck in their own eyes or the plank, some versions say, pointing the finger when three is pointing back at them. So they like to expose the believers or people of faith. You see this, people got a whole ministry on YouTube. They got a whole ministry on, on the TV, not just on YouTube, in their churches. And all the ministry is about the Bible says if Jesus be lifted up, he's going to draw all men unto him. Not if we lift up other people. So the whole ministry and their whole style and the whole agenda of the enemy is to take the focus off Jesus. Take the focus off the one that's going to change your life and, and, and give you joy and peace and, and all of that when you're in his presence. So what that spirit likes to do is it likes to dress up. It likes to pretend like it has a form of godliness, but it likes to expose other believers. It likes to, to, to always talk about what somebody else isn't doing right, to always and create a whole YouTube channel on the flaws of others. But at the end of the day, we know it's all about Jesus. So I'm going to tell you this. If anything pulls you away from God, if that YouTube channel is drawing you in to just so you can see somebody get put together or get put in place or get corrected, and that's the whole ministry of that channel, you might want to flee from that channel. Because if it's not lifting up Jesus, if it's not bringing about change, if it's not pointing you back to Jesus, because let me tell you something, pointing out other people's flaws is not what's going to change the person. It's not going to make them stop doing what they're doing. The only thing that changes us and brings us into relationship is the blood of Yeshua. It's the blood of Jesus. It is his presence. In his presence is the fullness of joy. That is where you're going to find the joy peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, not looking at somebody else's flaws. So what that spirit likes to do is he'd like to take your eyes off of Jesus and put it on something that doesn't even matter. It, it, it puts it on things that don't have any eternal value in it. It's worldly and carnal things, right? So then the number six, he said tradition. Tradition operates hand in hand with this spirit. The vain repetitions in prayer, not being led by the spirit. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Flow. What does flow mean? If somebody tell you to freestyle and flow, what does that mean? That means you're doing something off the cuff right? That's what the Bible means when it says out of your belly shall flow. That means we got to learn. The Bible says in him, I move, I live and have my being, which means that wherever you are and the kingdom of God is in you, then the kingdom is present. That means that you don't have to be in four walls of the church. That means that God will send you to the supermarket as he's been doing me. He will send you to places, to a bar. He will send you wherever he has assigned for your life. That's what it's all about. But in order to operate like that, you have to come out of the confines of the four walls. You have to be led by the spirit of God and not by obligation. Obligation will have you to miss God. And you've heard me say that time and time again. Structure is good. Order is good because God is a God of order. He's a God of, of order. The kingdom of God is an orderly kingdom, right? And so is the kingdom of darkness. But get this. You have to be able to flow with the Holy Ghost. You have to be able to, if God tell you to do something, do it on the whim, right? This is what it's all about, walking with the Father. Wherever Jesus sent them, that's where they went. He said, whatever house you go in, 
He said, if that house don't receive you to shake the dust from your feet, right? So wherever he was sending them, that's where they were going and that's what they were doing. They were flowing with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes they were in the synagogues, but most of the time they was on the street, baby. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to break some religious mindsets. And I know a lot of people, you know, the religious spirits don't like this, but I'm here to dismantle that spirit and to bring you into right direct alignment with the kingdom of God that you may see clearly. The Bible says, let the eyes of your heart be enlightened. So that's number six. And so we talk about that, but then God, then before I got on here, he had me to pull up one of the books that I had. It's by Apostle John Eckhart, and this is a deliverance and warfare manual um, that I've been had for years, and I gave it away, and then I bought it again, and I gave it away. So this particular book talks about all types of spirits, right? And deliverance, that's what it hones in on. But particularly, he had me to go to the religious spirits, and this is what it says. It says, Religious spirits. There are many different manifestations of religious spirits. Everything that is religious is not necessarily God. The following are ways to, to detect religious spirits. And then it goes on to say, a vehicle for worship and grace becomes the object of the focus of our attention in worship. Have you ever been to some churches where instead of them worshiping Jesus and focusing on the presence of God that's going to come down and bring about change and heal healings and deliverance instead of them focusing on that they focusing on how well the person is singing they focusing on it's, it's become a whole thing it's entertainment and it's not worship the worship belongs to Jesus not to the person that's singing the song so the religious spirits like to Take your eye off God once again, because he knows if you get in the presence of God, something is going to change in your life. The revelation is going to come and the healings are going to come. The miracles are going to come. The deliverance is going to come. But if he can get you to focus on everything else except Jesus, then he can keep you from your deliverance and your healing and your provision. So these religious spirits is a vehicle for worship, right? And then it says, the other thing that you will notice about these spirits is that church um, writings and or explanations of scriptures become as important and gradually more important than scripture itself. Whereas those who have written, studied, or understood them are in turn exalted. So then we go to exalt the people instead of exalting the word of God, right? So church writings and explanations and scriptures. So now you have the end, people with the intellectualism spirits that need to be cast out. They got, they got so much intellectualism that that has become a God, that has become an idol. And God is going to break that mindset today where you're not even focused on um, the, the presence of God and that the revelation of God, but you're more focused on the intellectualism behind what people are saying. Then he says, seeking after supernatural highs and experiences, believing that such are always of God. Every supernatural encounter, every dream you have is not a God thing. And a lot of people have built their ministries off of supernatural encounters. That's a dangerous place to be because if every uh, word and, and you don't have sound doctrine, the Bible says, he he seeks people that worship him in spirit and in truth. They have to marry together. Too much spirit makes you a witch and too much truth word makes you religious. So some people seeking after supernatural highs and experiences, believing that such are always of God. Everything that says, Lord, Lord is not of God. 
And the only way you're going to be able to discern that is to get in the presence of God and get in his word. That's the only way you're going to be able to decipher the counterfeit from the real. That's the only way. So if everything in your life is, is if it's prayer and if it's all about just looking at YouTube videos or going to church and you never pick up that Bible, that's an open door for deception and for witchcraft to come in. Those that are not grounded in the word of God will be an open door for the enemy to come in and, and deceive them. Because the only way you're going to know a counterfeit bill, a counterfeit bill is really a counterfeit bill, is if you've seen a real one. So then he says, being fearful of anything emotional and insisting that we keep our religion on a safe but elevated mental plane. He also says, making into law and insisting upon certain church rituals um, rites, methods, practices, or formulas as the only way to dress, praise, or confess. I just talked about that. You have to look a certain way. You have to praise a certain way. You have to do things a certain way. You, you got to be careful. And then leadership becomes dominating and controlling. This is religious spirits insisting on heavy, often unquestioned submission because they are the ones who are to hear from the Lord. Baby, we all hear from God. Everybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has the Holy Spirit in them. So a lot of times when you're being ministered to, it's sometimes, most of the time, confirmation. So sometimes you build your whole uh, relationship with God based on your, your pastor or based on apostle, prophets, or chasing prophetic words, becoming a prophetic junkie. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this because your relationship with God should be first and foremost. And then everything else after that should be confirmation. And if it's not, sometimes it's fresh revelation that God will speak through someone. But at the same time, it should a lot of times be confirmation for you. So you don't want to put them on the pedestal. You want to put Jesus on the pedestal. And then you only want to follow those that's following Christ. How do you know if someone's following Christ? The word of God, the presence of God. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with you. Sometimes things be off and the Holy Spirit will say something ain't right or something is off. He might not even reveal to you what the off thing is, but if you will know something is off and, late, and maybe later on he will reveal it and maybe not. But again, like I say, we in the army of God, right? So we on the need to know basis in the kingdom. So the Matthew, it talks about Matthew 15, vain worship. Right. And Jesus began to talk about the blind leading the blind. So when he began in Matthew 23 to talk about, he dedicated a whole chapter of religious spirits. He talked about the blind guides. He talked about them being foolish. He talked about them being hypocrites. He talked about um, warnings. Right. Be aware. That's all you heard was be aware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That is who killed Jesus. It wasn't the cr crazy people that killed Jesus. It was the religious people that was a direct uh, head-on collision with the kingdom of God. That is who put him in the tomb, the religious leaders. They didn't like him. And that is what you think all the time. Sometimes we think it's people that is coming in another way and it's coming dressed up looking like God. That's not really God. That's really opposing the kingdom of God. So I want to go to draw your attention to Luke 11 and Luke 11 and 52. It says, woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. 
you yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those from entering. So the experts of the law, meaning the people that know the word, right? They know it backwards and forwards, right? But they have no relationship with the author of the, author of the word. And they take away the key to knowledge. That's the revealed word I was talking about. That's the revelation. That's the manifestation of the presence of God. They want to remove that. Because see, the enemy don't mind you having church as long as you don't have God. He doesn't mind you having, um, dressing a certain way, um, not wearing makeup, wearing long skirts or head covering. He don't mind none of that. He don't mind you looking religious as long as you never get the revelation of what you try. You call yourself serving. So you can call yourself serving. And the reason why is because it brings about no change in your life. There's no power with that. There's no power to cast out sickness and infirmities and cancer when you have religion. There's no power behind that. So he doesn't mind you having the look. As long as you don't have the real revealed knowledge of who God really is. Because once you get the revelation, then the manifestation is going to perceive that. The power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So how do we ways to be free from these spirits? Um, the ways to be free from the spirit spirits is humbling ourselves, right? Allowing the Holy Spirit to correct us and stand teachable. We have to be students of the word. Even though we're teachers of the word, we have to be still students of the word. I say you can learn from anybody and you can even learn from people that are not saved. They, you can take a page out of anybody's book. But what you have done with the influences, God says, this is what he said to me. He said, what have you done with the influences that I have given you? He said, have you shut up people and not allow them to come into the kingdom? See, everybody has a spirit of influence, even if it's at, on the marketplace, right? Even if it's at work, if you're a manager at work, if you're a coworker at work, if you're a vice president, you're a CEO, if you are a business owner, if you are a mother, a father, a grandparent, you have a sphere of influence, a sibling. If you are in a, any position where you deal with people, God will always give you a platform of influence. That is your ministry, no matter where you go, no matter what, if you are a, a cashier at a, at, a, at a bank, if you're a cashier at a grocery store, you always have an influence that he will give you because he has created you for a perfect, uh, specific purpose. I was about to say Pacific, y'all. A specific purpose, right? So you always have a sphere of influence, but he said, what have you done with the influence that I have given you? Have you used it to shut people out of the kingdom? Are you using it for compromising the gospel just to get along with everybody? Are you using it to glorify God? Are you using it to bring people to Jesus? Or are you using that sphere of influence to turn people even in further away from God because of the, the foul and evil things, the adultery, because of the cussing, because of the backbiting, because of the gossip, because of the slander, because of all these things that you're doing or you're not glorifying God? Are you using your influence on other people? Because see, even to the music industry, those people have a huge influence and a big following, and they're going to be held accountable for all of the people that has been led astray as a result of their entertainment, as a result of their demonic entertainment and the things that they're not doing that are not a God. Everybody has a spirit influence, no matter what capacity, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, if you're a mother, if you're a friend of someone, if you're a neighbor next door, you have an influence that God has given you to draw people unto him and to lead them to the kingdom of God. We all have that.
no matter what capacity we work in. So we all going to be accountable for everything that he has put in us that we're not using for him, but we're using to draw more people to the kingdom of darkness and leading people astray. Praise the Lord. So he, how do we combat that? How do we stay free from this? We pray in tongues. We seek the gift. It helps with reason and it breaks the spirit of control. When you have the spirit of the Lord on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit and you're speaking in other tongues, that religious spirit likes to tell you, don't do that. In fact, let me say this, what God has shown me. A lot of people, not all, but a lot of people don't have the gift because they simply just afraid or they don't know how to really um, operate in it or whatever. But sometimes people don't have that gift because a religious spirit needs to be broken off of them. I have noticed that as well. Like a lot of times people don't have this gift of speaking in tongues because a religious spirit is on them. They know God, they believe in Jesus, but there's no power. And so as a result, that spirit is in direct conflict with spiritual gifts. I've said that. So sometimes we need to have that spirit cast out before we begin to even speak in tongues. And we think, oh, that person is saved. Why you don't speak in tongues? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's something there. And you have to press in to ask God to find out what it is. It's your job to do that. As believers, we have a responsibility to study, to show thyself approved, to ask God about these things if you want the gift. And then on top of that, sometimes it's fear. Sometimes fear stops people. It's a lot of different reasons, but we're talking about the religious spirit today. Um, another thing is he says, stay with a repentant heart and stay broken before the Lord. All you know about God isn't all there is to know. So if you got all of your eggs in one basket and you only listen to one preacher, you only do this, you only walk in like this, you're missing out on God because God is in a lot of people and he uses a lot of people and he blesses us with the gifts. We are gifts to the body. So if you're only honed in on one person and you, baby, you just shrunk God all the way down to one person. Well, we know God is way bigger than that. It's so many different gifts that he has given people that we need in order for us to grow in the faith. And then the last thing he says, love God, love people. He said, perfect love cast out all fear. Fear works in those spirits. So they project their shortcomings on others because they don't want uh, to change or want people to seek after God. So those spirits will, will um, um, keep people in, in fear. It will keep people from really coming into the knowledge of the truth of who God really is. And they project sometimes that fear on other people. And as a result, now those people have that same mindset, that same religious mindset. So I just pray today in the name of Jesus that God will arise over you today and that every enemy will be scattered, that every spirit of blindness, every spirit of religion, every spirit of tradition will be brought to nothing. I put a divine restraining order over the enemy's plans, over every religious spirit. I cast it out, I bind it, and I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. You have to let this mind be in you. We have to let our minds be in Christ Jesus. This is where the battleground starts with religious spirits. It's all about intellectualism, reason, logic, and all these things that tell us we need to be doing this, we gotta do that, we can't do this, we can't wear this, we can't, we gotta wear it, we can't wear makeup, we gotta have on this over our head, we gotta do all these things. These are religious spirits. Women can't prophesy, women can't be apostles, women can't do these are religious spirits. Be careful that you don't become the very thing you hate. 
Sometimes what the enemy does is he'll put you in such a, you have such a hatred towards certain things and such, you, you so hell bent on uh, religious traditions and women can't do this in the church and you're so hell bent on that, that you miss God. And so be careful that the focus is not on the do's and don'ts, but it's on the relationship. And I always say, get in a quiet place with God and the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal the real Jesus, not the Jesus that they, the fake Jesus that they preaching, but it's another spirit. They, the Bible calls it, it's a spirit of another Jesus. You want the Jesus of the Bible. And until the next time, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the next video. Like and subscribe if you have not done so. Bye, loves.